good afternoon. It's Niall Boyle with you for the next hour or so. Uh, we will be talking about me today. Well, not so much me, but the media. And generally, do you trust them? Now, don't forget, if you want to get involved in the conversation at any stage, you can text or WhatsApp on 85 That's 85 If you want to come on the air or have your comment read out, just send in your comment. If you want to come on the air, just WhatsApp the words, let me on. And of course, they will give you a quick call back and we'll try and get you on the air a little bit later on to talk to us. The question simply today is, do you trust the media? Last week, Ben Scallon from Grip Media spoke to Pascal Dunahu about the importance of RTE and importance of the media and maybe the importance of misinformation or indeed information. Let's have a little look at that clip before I ask the real question. Minister, the Taoiseach says that the government won't allow RTE to cease operating and many ministers have said that RTE has an essential role in preserving Irish democracy. So I'd like to ask, how does the government giving money to the media bolster democracy exactly in your view because public service broadcasting is an, an important element of how democratic societies function um uh, it is for two particular reasons uh, number one uh, there are many things that go on within our society that organizations who only have a commercial mandate simply can't cover uh, because they don't have the resources to do it and there isn't always the interest in covering off uh uh, some matters and we need a public service broadcaster that has the ability uh, to cover off parts of our society which a commercial mandate uh, of itself wouldn't justify being covered um, and secondly with all of the change that's underway uh, in our media landscape uh, with all the new technologies that are coming up with all of the pressure that's underway for example with regard to disinformation uh, I think it is uh, and makes sense uh, that we have a state broadcaster that can be part of the response back to them. So would you say then that, again, the government giving money to the media would make them less prone to misinformation, that that would be in some way a, a, a preserve them from uh, running false stories? Would you, would you say that IT is more truthful than other media outlets, let's say? <laughs> I'm going to have to pause before I answer that particular question. Look. We, we, we've given lots of different, uh, I've made lots of decisions over the last number of years that have had an, an aim of how we can support media in general. And I will point to the fact uh, that the VAT decision that I made in relation to newspapers a number of years ago, because I recognise that there's an important, really, really important role for print media in a democracy. And in particular, if I look at the decline of local media, uh, and local music. I think we get the general the gist of it, Pascal. Yes. Okay. Now, according to, by the way, the Irish Independent this morning, the influence of the far right is growing in Ireland, according to a new study analysing online platforms. And this research seemingly was conducted by the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, which you've never heard of them before, but better known as the Ministry of Truth. Uh, they're called the ISD, or the ISD. Uh, found that social media platforms are largely failing to enforce their own community guidelines in terms of service. It is the accumulation of a year's work carried out by analysts Aoife Gallagher, Kieran O'Connor and Francesca Weiser. More than 13 million posts were analysed. I'm sure I was analysed probably in there as well, as probably were Grip Media too. 12 platforms from 2020 uh, to 2023 as part of the study. This included popular sites like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, as well as alternative platforms uh, like uh, Getter Gallagher. 
Gab and Rumble and it said that anti-lockdown protests during the pandemic were fueled by misinformation about COVID-19 and the vaccine, while recent protests, like those carried out at the Cork City Library, were encouraged by the spread of hateful contents against the LGBT community. So do you trust the media? Social media, the media. Do you trust it all or any of it? Or is it all misinformation and you just have to make up your own mind? Speaking to me more about it, uh, John McGurk joins me, journalist and editor of Grip Media. John, good afternoon to you. And uh, My apologies to your viewers if my head appears a bit large. I'm on the phone. Um, <laughs> but uh, Fine. Um, it's a fascinating question. Uh, do we trust the media? Because, I mean, just last week, I think we had two examples that were that would, would really undermine anyone's faith in their ability to trust the media. I mean, first of all, we had that programme slash fantasy uh, show that appeared on RTE in the middle of last week, where Mark Little was reporting from the year 2050 about how Greta Thunberg was trying to get the United Nations to invade various countries that weren't uh, obeying her climate commands. That programme was based on not only misinformation, but kind of a fantasy drawn up by... RTE's producers and staff um, of a world that would appear if we didn't listen to the Green Party. It had no basis in fact or science or analysis, uh, and yet it was broadcast on the national broadcaster as, and I quote, one of the highlights of their autumn calendar. But they call um, it a docudrama, and for those who would be less vulnerable, I suppose those who got a scare a little bit easier, maybe older people in some sense, um, they could be led to believe that it was actually based on some sort of truth, or this is what's going to happen, mm. I suppose, in 50 years' time, which is a hypothesis, of course, by some individuals in this world, whereas others have a different hypothesis. There is a connection between that and the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, which, of course, Eva Gallagher was also with Storyful, as was Mark Little, uh, and also um, Kinzen, who who were uh, said or paid by the government yes. during COVID to produce a report naming me and many others um, for putting out information that disagreed with the government. Yes, entirely correct. Um, so, I mean, th there is there is indeed a nexus of misinformation and disinformation, but that uh, nexus of misinformation and disinformation is largely the Institute of Strategic Dialogue. I, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone, it's notable to me, that today the Irish Times, the Irish Independent, RTE, the Mall, they're all running this report. No one is linked to it. Um, you can read it. If you go onto my Twitter page, I've, I've posted a link to it. You can read the report. It is stuff and nonsense. So, for example, they have a whole paragraph about the, the, the about the rise of the whole page about the rise of disinformation, which essentially amounts to them saying that more people are talking now about immigration than before. That's not more people talking about a topic is not misinformation. It is simply more people talking about a topic who disagree with your perspective on it. Um, they have examples of misinformation in there, for example. They, they cited my colleague Ben Scallon for talking to Ukrainian hotels, um, I think six or eight months ago, to ascertain whether or not it was truly unsafe in Kiev and other cities where refugees are coming from. And those hotels said, no, it's perfectly safe here. We'd love for you to come and stay. That's a legitimate news report. Mm -hmm. That's not misinformation. Okay. There's no suggestion that either Ben lied or that the hotels lied. It is simply the ISD saying, oh, well, that information might encourage people maybe to take a different view on the policy towards Ukrainian refugees Heaven than the one that the government advocates. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. therefore, it's misleading. I mean, this is this is the tone and pattern of the entire report. Um, there is an example of somebody referring to the Taoiseach, Mr. the Taunishta, Mr. Martin, as a traitor. That is not misinformation. That is somebody's opinion. It's not an opinion I hold. I'm sure it's not an opinion you hold, uh, Niall, but it's somebody's opinion. That's not misinformation. What they have essentially done in this report is say, 
here's a bunch of stuff that we disagree with and more people are disagreeing with us. Therefore, uh, something needs to be done about this. And it's the exact same pattern and it's the exact same people. You mentioned Kinzen. Um, it, it's not the exact same people, but but it's the same family of people who during COVID-19 were trying to get social media websites to censor people who said that the lockdown was going on too much. It, it's all quite sinister. Um, I mean, that, I don't the think Kinsen there's any report, other of course, was leaked on Grip Media uh, at the time, going back some time ago. This is the report, of course, that was paid for by the Department of Health and Stephen Donnelly's department. Uh, quite a substantial amount of money was paid for this particular report. And all it was was them scaring Twitter, scaring Facebook and scaring the Internet to find information that was negative about the government. As I get mentioned already, I got a mention in it, which I feel very honoured by the fact that I got a mention in it, that Niall Boyle and Broadcaster has been known to be anti-lockdown. I mean, I don't know why that makes me a negative person because I don't agree, and I didn't agree at that point uh, with the government lockdowns. I felt it had gone on too long. I mean, but but that's seen as some sort of negative thing. I'm some sort of far right wing lunatic for even suggesting that. Yeah, and 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 do what's really dangerous now, Niall, is the extent the extent to which the media is internalizing this stuff and changing how they see their own jobs. So it used to be when you turned on the six one news in the evening, you were going to get an accounting of what happened that day. Whereas now the media seems to see their job as being to protect the public from information that might lead them to believe things the media don't want them to believe. And a great example of that was last week when Ryan Casey, the boyfriend of the murdered Ashley Murphy, gave his victim impact statement. It was a very powerful statement and the media covered most of it. But they left out the bit where he said the most politically relevant thing that he said, the most relevant thing to, to most people in terms of what was his view of how could the, the country make sure this didn't happen again was when he asked how somebody like Yosef Puska, the murderer, could come here from a different country, live here for 10 years, contribute nothing, and I'm paraphrasing, but effectively get everything handed to him. That's a really powerful and important question, and it's a provocative question. And RTE reported on the one o'clock news, then they got rid of it. It didn't appear for the rest of the day. The Irish Times didn't report it at all. The Journal didn't report it. The Independent didn't report it. And I know because we did report it that it got massively huge interest. It was our biggest read story in the last six months. There was enormous public interest in his comments. And the media decided en masse that the public were not supposed to hear those comments. Now, why was that? And is it not also a form of misinformation and disinformation? If you are effectively censoring people's statements to make sure that sort of information that challenges the government position in relation to a massively controversial event isn't being heard. I'd argue it, was, it is. But, and but the coverage of this isn't report that what today, the Institute of Strategic Dialogue seems to be about, which is about censorship? It, it's not about misinformation. And don't get me wrong, there is misinformation. There's no doubt there's fake information and fake news and stories that are literally made up from nothing. Uh, there are fake videos out there. We've seen those of Donald Trump and many other mm. uh, politicians as well being made up, which are made with AI. We've seen all that stuff and it's out there. And you know, and you have to be critical. And you have to be a critical thinker to decipher what's the truth and what's not the truth. And I always urge people to go to a few different sources if you want to make sure something is real before you actually post up something about it. But in saying that, what we're essentially saying is, if you don't agree with the government, you don't agree with her line in climate change, you don't agree with her line in immigration, or you don't agree with this, whatever it happens to be, we want to censor that until such a time as we agree with you. And the classic example of that would be 
the Ireland is full hashtag, which has been going around for six months. So then Leo Varadkar finally turns around and says, uh, you know, Ireland has capacity. We've reached that capacity, which equals Ireland is full. So then all of a sudden, it's okay to say that now. You can say that now. So in other words, the mad right wing, I wonder is Leo Varadkar, by the way, a right wing loony, because he refer- when they refer to everybody else as right wing loonies when they said it. But so the mad right wing tend to be right six months later. Mm, there's a degree of that. Uh, and and I, I mean, there's, de- you know, it is amazing how these positions all of a sudden en masse like in a sort of herd movement, suddenly become legitimate to talk about. Um, and there are many, many examples of that. But the other thing I wanted to say, Niall, is that the there is genuine fake news out there, and a lot of it comes from the mainstream media. The biggest single example of fake news that we've had in this country for the last five, six years was the story about the Carlos school teachers, where the media reported en masse, like across every platform, I think with the exception of the Irish Times, they were the ones not to report it. Everyone else went remember the story. Yes, I remember the, the story. Teacher, Teachers in a Carlo school had essentially been looking at the backsides of young girls and telling them not to wear leggings because they were distracting the female teachers. And it was fabricated out of whole cloth from somebody posting something on Facebook that had been misinterpreted that somebody had said to them. And it was run by the person who had been awarded the the title of Journalist of the Year the previous year. Um, And eventually... Uh, the press council had to say it was an appalling it was an appalling misrepresentation and journalists didn't apologize for it. We've had examples recently, for example, and I'm not getting into the rights and wrongs of what's going on in Gaza, but we had the example of the hospital bombing um, where the media went immediately with one narrative about who was responsible for that and then had to walk it back because they simply went with the thing that fit their prior ideological views. Fake news happens all the time. The media is entirely complicit in it. Um, and, and when they're not complicit in actually pr- promoting false stories, they're covering up true ones, like we saw with the Ryan Casey thing. And then they have the gall to turn around and report and promote this report about misinformation. I mean, they should hang their heads in shame. And the thing about it is that as far as I can tell, um, because I have conversations with with ordinary normal people who aren't grip readers, who get their news from RTE, get their news from, from the Irish Times. In the last three or four years, trust in the mainstream media in this country is collapsing. I was talking to somebody this weekend who's a retired teacher who I know through a family connection who wouldn't be political at all, who told me that on foot of um, the programme last Wednesday, which he had happened to watch, he simply wasn't going to watch RTE anymore for the simple reason that he was an educated enough man, he was a geography teacher, he knows a little bit about the topic. He saw, he said, he said, if they're lying to me about that, what else are they lying to me about? Um, and at the same time telling me that the the, the, the fake news is a, is an issue. He said I mean, it's coming the, from the inside point, the house. Again, I say to you the point that it was thinly veiled as a docudrama rather than a documentary. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah. know, and I'm reporting what he said. But I mean, yeah. you call something a docudrama and you have Harry McGee from the Irish Times, their most senior political correspondent, sitting on the programme taking part in it, pretending like he's reporting the news. That's He's not advertised as an actor in the credits. And yeah. that's, and that's, and, and so, so well, I mean, you know, I, I found drama. it, I, I didn't watch it, I'm going to be honest with you, because I'd paint to watch drawing, but in saying that, you mm. know, I, I felt that it was hugely good, but I seen some of the articles about it the next day, Eilish O'Hanlon wrote a great piece about it, by the way, but I seen some of the articles uh, the next day about it, and I seen a lot of the stuff on Twitter about it, it was clearly, you know, uh, one of these scaremongering type uh, programs that RT would have, mm. and you know what, 
I wouldn't mind them having it on. If they then dedicated a half an hour to somebody else with an alternate view, but they just don't do that. Mm. This is the view and this is the only view, unfortunately. And that seems to go across the board when it comes to everything. Opportunities to challenge politicians are missed on a regular basis when it comes to when it came to COVID-19, for example. And now when it comes to which is the biggest, uh, I suppose, issue on the doorsteps for a lot of people when politicians call to the door, which is, you know, the cost of living crisis and also immigration, two of the biggest issues in the country. And yet they seem to get ignored constantly by the mainstream media. So finally, John, what are people to do? Because I guarantee you, callers are waiting here to come on now, John and Morris and a few other people, and they're all going to tell me they don't trust the media. Um, I would like to think they'd ring, I, I read Gripped on a regular basis, Gripped Media, so I'd like to think they'd quite trust that. But what, what, do you, what do you advise people? Well, I think actually that there is a danger in the other direction. Because I don't think it's as simple as not trusting the media. I really don't. And I think there's danger in that. Because you do hear people coming and saying things, well, I just don't believe anything I read in the media anymore. And that is, I think, actually too, that, that, that is. Oh, you've lost your sound there, John, for some reason. I do apologize. Oh, you got it back a bit. Oh, I'm sorry, Niall, my phone okay. started ringing while I was on. That's what happened there. Um, but what I was going to say is I think the danger is in believing that the media is is lying about everything. I actually yeah. think the important thing for people to, to do is to, every time they read a news story, see if they can detect the ideological bias that's underlining that story. Is somebody coming at this from an entirely neutral perspective? Are they trying to inform you? Are they just recounting the facts? Or are they using adjectives and words that are trying to influence your opinion? So, for example, the journal's coverage of the ISD report today refers to it several times as comprehensive and authoritative. Now, are, are journalists using those words because they want you to have the neutral facts or are they trying to influence your view of the report? Journalists don't lie about everything, but they use adjectives, they use slants, they use what they cover and when they cover to try and make you believe things in a certain way. And I think it is not about saying, oh, we can't trust every journalist. You know, the news is, is entirely fake. I think that leads you in the wrong path, but it is to be media literate. Uh, and I think media literacy is really, really important. But, but, but the one thing I will say is, John, we don't expect Grip Media or the Journal or the Irish Independent or indeed the Irish Times, you know, to be impartial all the time because they have opinion pieces. They have journalists who have it a view. They have an opinion. But we do expect the national broadcaster to be impartial. And we do expect the national broadcaster not to have journalists who have their own opinion. We do expect them to report the facts, like indeed what you mentioned in relation to Ryan Casey, which was, as you said, it was a tragic event, a tragic murder. And obviously her boyfriend had something to say in his victim impact statement, which was censored uh, because it might upset people. I mean, that is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't agree more. And, and, um, I mean, I think it's important, too, to read from various sources. If you're relying on one source for your news, and by the way, that includes Grip, then you're not getting the full picture. Because we, we don't have the resources to give people the full picture. The Irish Times don't. RTE are never going to give you the full picture. The other thing that's really important is to read about a story across five or six different outlets coming from different perspectives. Most people won't do that, unfortunately. And a lot of older people in this country will just get their news from RTE. But I think if you want to, you have to take media bias into account and you have to take you have to take the fact that so many people are trying to proselytize you into account. So I think it's really important to get your view on the story, Niall. I think it's important to read what Una Mullally or Fintan O'Toole say, says about it. And that's not to say that the truth is somewhere in the middle, but it is important to understand where different people are coming about it, from it to understand the, the full story. And I think if people aren't doing that, then they're doing themselves a disservice and it becomes easier to manipulate you. 
Because if you're just relying on grip for your news, you're only getting one perspective. But the same is true. And this is what's really important to recognize. People on the left will say that. They'll say, oh, well, gripped media only gives you a conservative perspective on the news. That's true. But they'll never say the flip side, which is RTE is only giving people a left-wing, liberal, relentlessly biased pro-government spin on the news. Um, and, 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 and that is tolerated, but the alternative is criticized. And that's where the real, the real bias is. Listen, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate you coming on the air. John McGurk, journalist and also editor of Grip Media, thank you for joining us today. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085 100 The Niall Boylan podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. <laughs>